yeah, I'm grateful for a lot of stuff, but I don't know. And, and we, we might even use this whole grateful thing for the intro. So if you're listening to this, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever this podcast may find you. It's I, Justin. And I'm Gavin. Okay, cool. Like we, always. we have reversed. We, we we might have done a reversal. I don't know. I, I don't know. I like to keep all 12 people of you on your... On your toes. I know, and we want to thank all 12 people because we've kept our uh, dirty dozen, as I'm going to just call them now, for our quite, a, quite is, a time. Yes. <laughs> it's been a consistent dozen every episode. Th- there's always, uh, <laughs> so like with bigger podcasts, like, you know, the audience will be referred to like as some sort of name, like with the TMG podcast, also known as the Tiny Meat Gang podcast, yep. or uh, the Cody Co. listeners, they're known as Chodesters. <laughs> <laughs> That that was me hitting my mic as I went to laugh. <laughs> um, that's funny. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. We haven't. I, I just termed you because we just happen to have a dozen listeners yes. every time. It's super consistent, which so, is awesome. So shout out to uh, the dirty, <laughs> dirty dozen. The, the dirty dozen. Anyways, you will cease to be named that once there's more that join your ranks. <laughs> shout out to James K and the dirty dozen. I know. <laughs> that, that sounds like a. That sounds like a 1970s like American rock group or something like. Oh my god! Like uh, like James Gang. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> L- like one of the ones that would tour around with a mini orchestra, um, like a backing. That or like some shit like the Eagles, like that kind of yep. music is what I'm thinking. Uh huh. Yeah. Totally. Oh the my god. Dirty dozen. The dirty dozen. Uh, man, it's been a wild week. Um, and we'll see how this next week goes. So, it, like, I'm in the process of uh, building out my actual, like, income business yeah. to, to have another person on board to, like, uh, capture some more revenue from a fantastic client that I love working with that wants to give me more work. So like, yeah. it's kind of all the best-case scenario where I don't have to hire somebody then to then say, like, hey, I have the people to do it. It's basically, like, I have the... It was almost the opposite of that, where the work existed. I just needed the manpower. Right. Which is... A damn good scenario because it's usually like, oh, I got to throw caution to the wind and then hope, (laughs) (laughs) which is scary. Um, So I've just been running like a chicken with its head cut off more than usual, trying to keep up basically one and a half full time schedules Mm -hmm. and make sure that everything's ready for that and that like all the equipment's ready to have two full time people and cards and money and blah, 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 blah. juggling Ugh. a lot of parts here yes it's yeah. all kind of up in the air it's like rolling a ton of dice a thousand times over the week yeah um fortunately that's all gone well but like uh it's it's just been wild i i'm grateful to be moving towards the end of that because now after this next week i will have like a little bit more time to breathe and i'll be able i might just even take a weekday off and just be like i think <sighs> you should i think you're due for one of those yeah i'd just be like ah oh, yes Spa day? Spa day. <laughs> self-care day? Yes. Something like that. What does that. Justin's self-care day look like? You know, that's a problem. Because uh, Justin, uh, self-care can be a couple of different things. It can be like doing something and like accomplishing a task. So I have noticed that um, Gavin and many other people have joked about me as the Energizer Bunny over the I years. I literally called you the Energizer Bunny like the moment I met you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not necessarily because I'm out and out always just like, ah, ah, and like running around. It's more just because I'm just consistently doing things and I don't really stop. Well, and also your personality, especially when I met you, is a lot more energized. Yes. I've kind of tamed that down and taken like the excess energy, we'll say, that was on the top there yeah. and spread it out a little yeah. to just keep some consistency. Yeah. Um, so I've noticed that with me, I, uh, I mainly started to notice this when I went out on my own. Um, I struggle to just like sit down and relax. So the only way I could like do a vacation type thing 
is really like I need to be out of state. Yeah. That that's really the one way I'm able to truly disconnect in the more traditional sense. Totally, yeah. Um however, mainly the last 2 years, I have noticed that if I'm if I can kind of segment myself and do something that has no purpose other than me just sitting down and doing it, I get just as much cathartic relaxation from that mm, as okay. like actually taking a day off. So for mm-hmm. instance, tinkering around with computers and video game shit. If I just like tune everything else out and just do that, I get a pretty damn good reset from that, and I didn't even need to go out of town for a weekend. Right. And so, hey, it's cheaper. It, mm, eh. <laughs> or, or is it? Can be. <laughs> it can be cheaper. I, I would if say, you already have the shit here, then you, sure. Yeah, if I'm tinkering with the shit here, yeah, it can be. But sometimes it's more like, oh, that sounds cool. Uh, uh, mm, yeah, I'm just going to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's plenty of that. Um, but those are part of what Justin's self care looks like. The other part is like, Maybe just going to take a spa day, like I said, like just yeah. legitimately. Do you go to the spa? I bet I, I used to, like every six months or so, go just like have like a oh cool nice little thing. Yeah, haven't really done that in like four years. Oh, for kind of obvious reasons. You might might be overdue. Yeah, a little overdue. So I might go do something like that. Yeah, because it's pretty relaxing and yeah, yeah, it's it's nice to have just like hot rocks and a massage on your back and things like that. Yeah, and I've actually, as, as weird as it sounds, I've even had really good luck with like acupuncture. And I okay. Know, I know that's a weird thing because it's one of those many pseudosciences that hasn't been fully proven, so they right. can't really. There's no proof that it technically works. But you like it. But it actually does relax me. Yeah. So yeah, it works for me, and it's not that expensive. So like, okay, mm, sure. Yeah, I don't care. I don't give a just shit. Don't, just don't go to the sketchy ones. No, exactly. I go to the <laughs> one that I pay full price don't for get, that I know is good. Don't go to one that'll give you Hep C. <laughs> Either Hep C or like accidentally put one into my brain. Mm-hmm. That that would hurt. Um, yeah. No, so, like, that's been crazy, but, like, the good news is is that I've been um, dealing with a lot of good people. For instance, just a minute ago in your Gratefuls, you mentioned Mr. Dave Raleigh. Oh, yeah. Um, he actually bought another little Subaru. Uh, yeah, he bought, a, like, an 04 Outback. Yep. Yeah. So he bought it for dirt cheap at 500 bucks, and it's it. in typical Dave Raleigh fashion. But it's in really good condition, actually. In typical Dave Raleigh fashion. Yeah. Um, and it uh, needed some... Uh, he said it has rust. Um... So it has a front... The body itself has two rust spots, but the actual underneath yeah. doesn't. Okay. The, like, the subframes and all that is pretty much pristine. That's, pr- that's pretty that's, good. I mean, honestly, if you're going to choose rust, that's the way to do it. Yeah, you don't want it on, like, actual core components. Yeah. Yeah, and the interior was actually... Um, we'll just call it a giant coffee spill, basically. Um, but it was always, like, able to be cleaned up. Mm-hmm. So that actually worked out pretty well. We were able to clean all that up. He thought he was going to have to replace seats. Now he doesn't. Nice. So he was quite happy. Nice. Um, and it was just funny going through this because, like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> this is a super. I don't detail that many Subarus. <laughs> and, nice. Nice. Uh, but uh, I actually got to see that little camper van that you talked it's about. It's cool. It's it, like it was snapping everyone's neck at the meet. I love it. It's like got the meaty 14 inch wheels. I know. I mean, yeah, the fitment was good. Um, I mean, like the the inside was like stripped out, like you could see yeah. the engine. Uh-huh. But like, okay, you just throw some like hardwood on it or something, or just some carpet, right? And like, you got yourself a little rake. I know a little tiny like off roader the size of basically your Fiesta. Uh, like, but yeah, just about. Yeah, yeah. Ba- basically the length, but a little narrower. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that would be a that would be a fun thing to just get an experience to drive around. Maybe not to do a video on, but like just to experience it. You know. Yeah, small right-hand drive, manual. Uh, I, 
I mean, I I saw it was it's probably some motorcycle engine, like yeah. a three cylinder, like Honda thing. Yeah, probably comparable to a Beat actually. I because the, the yeah. Beat was uh, pre VTEC. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's probably a non VTEC three cylinder, or I don't know, uh, Dave. If you just so happen to listen to this, uh, send me an angry text. <laughs> <laughs> Correct me, please. hate mail. <laughs> yes, we love. I love hate mail. It's always fun, especially when it's hate mail in our YouTube hmm. uh, comments because then I just get to publicly rail on people. Pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's difficult with like comments. It's, uh, like you end up responding. To we most never of get them. comments of like your content is bad, or if we do, yes. it's just it's just laughable of like how much of a dumb comment it is. Yeah, and I think that's probably limited to like counting on two hands, like the amount of times that that specific scenario actually happens. So. Maybe pretty two or maybe one hand. It, it, that doesn't happen very often. We get a lot more comments of like, "Holy shit, how do you not have a million views on this or whatever?" Which is awesome. Um, yeah, but then we'll get comments like where opinion-based comments, and that's where it gets difficult. People will correct us, though. Yeah. And, well, both of those, like, opinions and corrections get kind of difficult because it's entirely about the approach on both of them. Totally. Because, like, the opinion of somebody, for instance, loving the Mark V when we've openly admitted that it was kind of shat on, um, that's fine. You're fine to love what you want. Nobody's going to tell you not to love what you want. Right. But... When you start to try to portray your opinion and what you love as fact, as objectively better because you love it, mm-hmm. a line is crossed. Same with like the corrections. Like with, uh, I remember it wasn't even a correction. It was more like a, well, you missed this on the mini video when it first got released. The, you know, missing hinges and like talking oh, about the exterior yeah. hinges and things like that. Who like, who fucking cares? My dude. Um, that is what I would call niche content. If I was going to make a video specifically for mini fans, yeah, I'd probably be delving into that shit. Yeah. But being that we are, uh, we, uh, excuse my English, <laughs> we are more what I would call more general enthusiasts trying to like enjoy all these other things and learn a lot about them yeah. and portray that to an audience that hopefully mostly is Gives also going to be general enthusiasts. Yeah, We don't, can't get that lost in the weeds. Yeah, that's part of the reason why I actually think one of the things we've done really well, which has been hard but also very rewarding, is the introductions on all those big films. Mm-hmm. Because we've tried to, in like two to three minutes, set a stage, really condense it down to these are the core principles that lead us up to us driving that car. And I think on all of them, the Audi video, the mini video, the uh, um, even just, I mean, the intro to Death Cars was setting more of a stage for like a funny pun. <laughs> for, um, uh, yeah, and that was kind of setting up. We we were setting our own stage for our, from our previous experiences, mm-hmm. really. So it wasn't like giving a history on the Rossi on Q one. No, or because and there would be no point in giving a history on that Porsche because like. If you were to do that, there would have to be just a single vi- video on that 930 swapped backdate body uh, 911 SC. Yeah. So, like, that was already kind of a Frankenstein anyway. Yeah, but so with those and then also with the NSX video, like, on all of those intros, yeah, we've actually done a pretty damn good job. In fact, I remember, which one was it? Oh, with R32 video as well. We did a small one because um, we talked about the... Whole, uh, oh yeah, but six cylinder. Well, but just the VR architecture. Yeah, yeah. Um, on all of those, and I think, I think it might have been the R32 video specifically. One of them, we got a comment that was like, "Honestly, first two and a half minutes were great, but," and then continued yeah. to like. So everything that was not our review was great. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Um, Until you opened your mouth, it was fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
but that it, it's interesting because I've I have also we all follow creators and paying attention to like how other creators also react to like comments and things like that yeah. is just kind of kind of interesting because depending on their size will depend on how much they're willing to do and how sure. much they're willing to react. Well, and, and it's interesting because I was watching, I think at the time it was the most recent episode of The Smoking Tire, mm-hmm. and uh, Matt used to involve himself in YouTube comments all the time yeah. for the first few years, but he was, and in his words, he was called fat 400 times a day for five years. Yeah. So he, based at, at this point, he doesn't have any kind of social media on his phone, so whenever he's like posting on Twitter or posting on Instagram, yep, um, that's all from a computer. So he compartmentalizes his time mm-hmm. into just engage. He sits down, he engages with that. He I don't know if, what he does with emails. He might do that stuff on his phone, but like he sits down, does his emails, does his social media stuff or whatever, like at one at one time. And then when he walks away, he's out. He's done. He can just go enjoy life, which I would love to get to that point. I don't know what that's going to take because I work as a content creator yeah. for you know an overlanding company, so I'm always like I'm always in my phone. And I think the irony is once you get to a size like him or like several other large creators, that the irony is that's when they start to do that. You would think, or at least I guess the general public might think that that person would be connected twenty four seven, but it's actually the inverse. It can be, yeah, because they try they get to a point mentally where you can't absorb all that, whether it's hate or good, all of the above. It's mm-hmm. all kind of information flooding in, right? So you have to. Compartmentalize it like that, and it was interesting when we, you know, were getting more traction on the Audi video and getting more and more comments. Yep, it was it was a small video still by you know most standards, but it was overwhelming for you know integrating the response, like being responsive and attentive on a daily basis of like, oh, we got another comment, got yep. another com-, like you know all this other stuff, and that's just comments on one video. That's not emails. That's not Instagram DMs or comments on Instagram or. That- that, that that's stuff. not weekly videos, yeah. You know, like, and we'll see how that does. Yeah, that's uh, literally looking at one video that was doing moderately well. Yeah. Um. And now, if all of our videos could do that moderately well, well, I mean, in, in that case, <laughs> then we'd actually have the money to do some big shit. That would that would be rad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but with those larger creators, I mean, for they all get to a point where they have enough critical mass in their algorithm that, like, yes, commenting and engagement does help it, but like re-commenting and things like that are the lowest one on that totem pole. Yeah. So that's the easiest one to just be like, okay, we're fucking done with responding to every comment because yeah. there's thousands. Yeah. Can't do that every day. Yeah. And it doesn't really affect them because they have so many other things inputting to their algorithm. Yeah, and when our video was growing, I think it was critical that we were engaging and yeah. interacting with people just to keep that algorithm going. But, mm-hmm. Nope, yeah. I completely agree. Um, We've talked about this video a lot. We have. No, we have. It's, def- it's, I, I kind of feel like we're the... Uh, we're the band that, you know, had a hit in the 90s. At the moment, yeah. <laughs> and we haven't released any. We're, I feel like with Limp Bizkit, actually. Oh, God. Because <laughs> they're now back. I know. <laughs> no, I mean, there, there is an element of that for sure. It, it does exist. But I also think that at the moment, that's where we kind of own that when we need to. But we're also still actively trying to do different things to recapture that. Yeah. Uh, unless if it comes to, like, an R8 that I haven't driven yet or something like that or yeah there was another Volkswagen product that we talked about what was it that I wanted to uh, n- not, not the S5 not the S5 there was something else yeah I don't remember there are some older things I would like to have a go in yeah. Um, I mean I did a video on this car years ago before Expedition to Speed 
but um, my friend's Mark One GTI with a B5 1.8 swap would be dope. Yeah. I think um, I think there's some niche cases like that we could totally throw in and still yeah. be fine with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we're mainly done with is, as we've discussed before, newer Volkswagen Audi Group or products. Yeah. Just because yeah. we've done a lot of them. Um, we have tried to branch out a little bit. We have NSXs. We have Minis. We have a couple other things. I think we've definitely branched out from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the R32s is kind of actually, I think that's more of the exception than the other videos mm-hmm. because that's us kind of coming back to that. Um but it, yeah, and revisiting the Mark V specifically on its own. Um, yeah. No, I think that that's good, and I think we've. I I think the main thing is this: we've attempted to not completely paint ourselves into the picture. Yes, we have. Like paint ourselves into a corner. Corner, yeah. Yes. Um, we've talked about that video a lot, but a lot of that is because that is the one look into what we could accomplish that we can actually gain data from. Um, but we haven't tried to like copy paste that directly, which is what's good because yeah. I think that the issue is with a lot of those bands, like you mentioned, they'll have a success like one hit, yeah, and then especially if they have like we'll try to do it again, mm-hmm, yeah. especially if they have like a manager and they have um, business people, mm-hmm. business is going to dictate that mm-hmm. replicate that exactly that do that again exactly yeah. that's where the creativity gets lost. Because you're just trying to copy-paste the same thing. Well, yeah, and I think what we've done is we've made smaller, uh, more digestible versions of that. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's actually a good thing. Yeah. Because, and I don't know if it had to do with any kind of uh, timing with the pandemic. It was kind of towards the the later half of, you know, not everyone was locked down, but I think it was still part of the public conscious. Yeah. You know, to, you know, stay at home or to, to be more safe. Um, and that might have led to some views, especially at the beginning when we dropped it in January of 2021, because mm-hmm. before like vaccines were like really, really a thing. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't know if, if that has anything to do with that. Um, I mean, people now, I think more than ever, and I think it will just continue to, to grow in this direction, will either go for the shortest content possible, like, you know, Instagram reels being seven seconds or less. Yep. Being the ones that get popular. Or binge-watching Netflix series, like Drive mm-hmm. to Survive or Ozark yeah. or uh, The Last of Us or whatever. And so I think that's something that helped us uh, with the Audi video. But it's interesting because whenever I, like, send that video to someone because we're talking about Audis or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I drove that car on this film. And, like, I send them the video. They're like, bro, that's an hour and 45 minutes? What the fuck? I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think what's funny is that even outside of us specifically and outside of the car niche, I've noticed that with the advent of things like TikTok and whatnot, I agree. I think that what's happened is YouTube content used to be, let's say, a decade ago, like, 10 minutes used to be like the golden rule. Yeah. And then now it's closer to 20 where it's Mm. kind of grown a little bit. Most content creators in multiple spaces that I watch are closer to like the 20, 25 minute mark. And that kind of seems to be the modern sweet spot where somebody's more willing, it seems if they're going to YouTube to watch that, because if they were going to get short form content, they were most likely going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Like TikTok or even Facebook and Instagram reels. Mm -hmm. Um, So they want um, I, I think what's happened is kind of been a curation of what video type you want that has split to multiple platforms. Right. And yes, YouTube has shorts, and those are very successful in their own right, yeah. but they're usually just complementary to the long stuff. Right. 
And so um, I, I think what happened is well, there we, are, are also, especially in the automotive space, co- uh, content creators that are just taking their TikToks yeah. and their Instagram reels and just posting those to YouTube. Mm-hmm. And that's what their YouTube is. Yeah. And with um, with us, I think we happen to drop, I mean, a banger from a length standpoint of a video yeah. right at the like right at the time when people were at home and right at the time where it was a little bit more we'll just say mentally acceptable for something that long to be on YouTube compared mm-hmm. to again like a decade ago right and somebody's more willing to do that and we have modern features like chapters and markers and things like that so if somebody wants to skip through yeah. they can easily and do I that I do think that also helped if we had this this mammoth of a video and having people not know what's coming next yeah because people, there were people that came into that video like wanting to watch stuff about the the B seven RS four or wanting to watch about the RS five. See, and I think I actually had this thought the other day. One thing I'm glad we haven't done with that, although we've had the thought, and although it would, in some rights, be a smart thing, is take bits of those videos and chop them up and re-upload them as the individual reviews. I've th- I wanted to do that for like the one year anniversary of that video. Yeah, I think it's a good thing we didn't because although that would help with the algorithm. I think, uh, and yes, it would help like metric-wise and business-wise. Most likely, it would yeah. do pretty good. Uh, I also think that would start to make the content feel stale. Like, oh, totally. I mean, I've gone back and watched that video. I mean, the, most of the reason why I go back and watch that video is actually to watch myself drive the R8 again because that thing sounded the fucking kitty's titties. That was, yes. It was delightful. And, you know, um, that was not the first, but one of the more important to me or significant uh, versions of you filming me driving the car because when I get when I see that car drive by, I think when most people see a car doing doing a flyby, they assume the person that has been talking is driving. Yeah, and that's actually not the case very often. Yeah, but that was a case where, you know, through the things that I ha- have kind of taught you about filmmaking. Yeah, and then seeing that you know happen on the screen in front of me, and I'm also driving the supercar that I wanted to drive forever. Yeah. You know, it's just this culmination of, like, this really great moment. Yeah. Um, but I, I have also watched, you know, the roundtable discussions. I'm like, oh, my God, I was just young. I, I feel like I'm, you know, young and dumb kind of stuff. Well, yeah, and that was in my, uh, we'll call it, uh, camera operator as- adolescence. Like, that was really where, yes, I knew how to push go. I knew how to start a recording. I knew the very basics, but when it comes to camera functions, such as changing f-stop or things like that, I was still pretty murky as far as how a lot of the uh, settings would go. And even sometimes, although I could follow motion well generally, how a shot should pan or how, mm-hmm. like a setup of a shot, which mm-hmm. is something that mainly at that moment I started to get. And then since then have just every film get been getting more and more experience with and get, been getting better and better. Right. So that's happened a lot more, whereas I think the first three cars on Audi, I think it was just basically always me doing flybys up until R8. Mm, yeah, and then... You went back to RS5. Yeah. You were driving for RS5 flyby. Yep. Yeah, I think R8 was really the first one I was handed the camera. Uh, because I was you wanted to go. Well, yeah, you wanted to go. You wanted to have you going on camera yeah. around this specific corner, which you've continued to call R8 Corner in <laughs> yes. Wolf Creek. Yes. Um, because it was just kind of this perfect setup. And if going back and looking at that, the nostalgia gets added to me by even the like time of day and the sun, like the lower sun that was happening uh-huh. at the time. Like it's just like this fall leaves, beautiful and... vibe going on. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but uh, that was a great day. Yeah. Part of the reason why I'm glad we didn't cut that up is there's been a couple of other content creators I've seen that have, um, 
done what is technically the smart thing from a business standpoint, which is taking some of their old content and re-uploading it to other platforms like Facebook um, or things of that nature, mm-hmm. or taking a larger film that they did and cutting bits of it. Yes, that makes it digestible to some people, but that also kind of floods your list of videos with repeats. And I, Yeah, and I don't like reposts. I don't either. Yeah, I, I think that you should, kind of like what we've done, which I'm glad we're in agreement on that, throw something out, do the be- damn best you can, Leave it there if it's supposed to stay there, yeah. and not like re-upload or, or try to like rehash something because that yeah. then to an audience perspective, the audience is now like, oh, I've seen this before. I've seen this. Yeah, I don't want to see this again. Yeah, even though it can, yes, it can drive new people to come to you because they saw that repost. Mm-hmm. Uh, even they might go through your back catalog and then realize, oh, well, this was just part of a larger thing. So I've like, already seen this. I've already I, seen this. I, I, but at the same time, too, it's been a long time since we've pu- published that video. Yeah. So, you know, we, I mean, that video went live January 1, 2021. It's now April 2nd of 2023. Yep. It's been over a couple of years, you know, and maybe the core people that would have seen it in the beginning, like, it, it's been a while. Maybe, I, I don't I don't know. I'm just pulling this out of yeah, my yeah. ass. But it would be interesting if we did it, like, you know, January of this next year. Yeah, it's a three-year anniversary thing. Yeah. I think that would be safe. If we did that... Or, like, when it hits a million or something. Mm-hmm. I think if we did that and kind of re-uploaded that kind of all-in-one, just basically said, hey, here's as a present, quote-unquote, for all of the years of success and for how well we can have Audi, did. You can have Audi week. Yeah. Because it's five cars. You start on Monday, go through Friday. Exactly. And at that point, especially if you, like, put out a post the day of that you uploaded those to set them to go live... You've warned people, and they understand what's happening and why. Yeah. So they're going to expect it. Yeah. Setting expectations. That's what we like to do. Yes. Um, oh. We really have tangent. Hey, that's okay. Is there anything you wanted to talk about? Well, I wanted to talk about the Lamborghini, actually. Uh, yes. The new... In Italian, it's translated as remix. I'm actually going to bring it up, because I have seen the photos. I know the basics of it. Um but I haven't really dived into it that much yet. Um, so I know it's the 1,000-horsepower plug-in hybrid. They're calling it a 1,001. Of course. Of course. Because it's the Italians. They always have to just they have one more. What are the odds that it doesn't make a 1,000 horsepower? Right, exactly. Exactly. Somebody put it on a dyno, please. Revuletto. Yep, exactly, which is... Uh, I'm unsure on the name. <laughs> I mean, I get the, por- the point of the name, Yeah, but... It doesn't quite. Th- this has happened before, though. Yeah. Uh, when like Uricon came out, uh, when Aventador came out, people, yeah. people were like, "Ah, that's kind of a weird name." But uh, the, but the car, you know, lives up to expectations, and I'm sure this will be great. It's a 9500 RPM, you know, revving V12. It makes what 800 and some odd horsepower, 830 horsepower, 814, 814. Uh, yeah, 9500 RPM redline. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm excited to hear that. Uh, what did the old one rev to? Oh, so the Aventador. Yeah. Um, Like nine grand, probably. Probably somewhere around there. I'd imagine eighty five hundred. Okay, so they added a thousand. That's yep. pretty good. Um, and there's a hybrid intervention, as not as always, but as can be expected. Uh, reach a top speed in excess of two seventeen. That's pretty good. Uh, how do we feel about the looks of this thing? Because everyone on the internet can really only talk about looks of a car. Yep. Especially when obviously nobody's driven it yet. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I've gotten some mixed opinions because I've talked to a couple other people about this. I love everything 
accept the front. I don't hate the front. Okay. I think I just need to see more photos of it to get a better see idea. See more colors. Scroll down. Yep. Um, oh, view photo. I'll just click view photos. Um, view gallery. Yeah, so with the front, it actually reminds me of an Apollo on the it front. It does, like the Gumper Apollo? Yep. Yeah. It does remind me a lot of a Gumper Apollo on the front. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. I'm just unsure of it as of yet. Um, yeah. But these are all still renders, I think. I don't think these are official photos yet. So uh, I'm not so sure about that. It, if even if they are, I want to see it into some different settings, and that might sway my opinion one way or another. Yeah, um, these are all even if they're not renders, they're all very curated. Yeah, so true. Um, just need to see it in some different settings. I love the side profile. I yeah. think it looks awesome. Keeps the standard Lamborghini flagship shape. Um, oh, uh, go back to that side shot. Yep. Do you see anything in the middle? In the middle of the car. Um, Do you see anything? No door handle? Not that. Um, so the roof line to me still says, you know, mid-engine Lamborghini. Yep. Uh, either Uricon or maybe Aventador. Yep. Um, and then you have the window. Yep. Look at the space below the window. Does that remind you of anything? A little. I'm just trying to think of what. See it, Corvette. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't notice it at first, and I saw a couple people comment on it. And like, and they're like, "Oh, the side looks like a C8 Corvette." I'm like, "Well, no, it doesn't, because the top of the roofline and the silhouette carries way further, yeah, and it stays up for longer." So no, but then look at the door and look at that triangle behind the door. Yeah, no, I see it now, right here. Yeah, like well, that and uh, even down further where it comes out and back in. Yeah, the, the that that's like C8 Corvette Z, uh, Z06, I think. The forward-facing Chevron type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think about that at all until I'm just you pulling just up the it. Z06 now. Interesting. Yeah. No, I I think. Yeah, it's like an inverted try. So if mm, okay, so pull up a photo of the C8 Z06. Okay, images. See if I can find a good side shot. I mean, I, these are close enough. That's the E-Ray. Oh, that's the E-Ray, gotcha. I think, or the Z51. You also said uh, C89 Z06, oh, so whoops. that would help to... Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Um, uh, just that first one on the left. So go from back and forth between that and the Lamborghini. Ah, uh, yep. So it's just kind of a reverse. The mm-hmm. the uh, Corvette, the kind of pointy arrowhead shape goes towards the rear of the car, and the Aventador goes towards the front. And actually, now that I look at them side by side, they look less familiar than I thought it was going to, but... It's a similar placement for a similar oh, shape. Oh, actually, go down to the one that has the car and driver. Uh, that looks more alike. Yeah, especially, I mean, color helps, too. The color uh, helps, but yeah... Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not saying Lamborghini was looking over Corvette's shoulders. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I see a similarity there. I don't think that's a bad thing. People, I think, still have uh, a mindset of Corvette being lesser. Yep. Um, I just see it as something different. It's and, a- you know, a lot of people through, or a lot of cars through the whole automotive landscape, there's a lot of, like, shoulder checking. Mm-hmm. And, um... As the vehicle, you know, to me, stands on its own, 
I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think so too. And I actually even like this rear end, which is kind of oh yeah. And well, there's gonna be another shot if you keep going. There's like yeah, that one. That one. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they completely ditched the glass, so the engine is just like Bugatti style exposed, mm-hmm. which is really cool. I like the fact of taking that bit of mechanical that still lives in the car and making it part of the artwork. Totally, I love it. Totally. Um, I like what they did with the rear end because they went McLaren with the exhausts mounted high up, kind of right underneath the spoiler. Yeah. And I think that they did a good job of it where it's it doesn't look like they directly copied McLaren. It's totally integrated in their design language, and I think they pulled it off really well. It, yeah, the whole the whole thing is sculpted. It, it clearly looks like it went to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. A lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great-looking car. Um, I w- this is where I would say I can't wait to drive it, but I don't know when that's going to happen. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, especially with yeah. the alleged, very estimated $890,000 MSRP. I mean, I know somebody that might be able to get involved, but yeah. still. Yeah, we'll see. Um, the I would like, and this would be an interesting thing for a much later date, um, to have this next to an Aventador and get into an Aventador interior and then into this one. Because I know mm-hmm. an Aventador interior is... It's uh, it's uh, for the price. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, uh, the, Lamborghinis have always been that way. They've always yeah, they've always been that way. But an Aventador interior to me looks more similar to its older siblings and like the crazy design language than this. This looks a lot more tame on the interior than most of them. Um, uh, go to another photo. See if there's more. Uh, yeah, I mean, it still has to use the cliche fighter jet. Yeah. You know, cockpit, but they have integrated something that Ferrari has done yeah. on the passenger side uh, below the dash where it mm-hmm. has a display and it's going to show you metrics. Yeah. Which, which is cool. I think that's great. And I think that this is good because as much as it's cool to look at all the older Lamborghinis, almost any of them, a Countach, a Diablo, any of the flagship Lamborghinis, and just see the like wild things they've done with the dashes over the years, almost all of them have the consequence of making the thing a damn pain in the ass to use at all. True. Um, and the Aventador wasn't nearly as bad as some of the others, but it was still like pretty high up dash with some crazy, you know, water mm-hmm. falling on the center that was yeah. pretty wild. This looks a lot more somewhat livable. And I think it is kind of nice to s- hopefully see that be, we'll call it a uh, a maturing a little bit of the interior. <laughs> I think the interior is definitely matured. I wonder if they learned anything from designing the Urus interior. I'm not saying it's the same. Yeah. I'm looking at the steering wheel. And the steering wheel lo- looks much more of like a how a lot of other modern cars look. It almost looks like an R8 wheel. It does. Of like the older R8 wheel. Yeah, um, it looks very similar. Yeah, and going back to the uh, display on the dash on the right-hand side, mm-hmm. I think they've integrated it well. Yeah. I think they've definitely made that their own and not just directly copied. I mean, they I think they may have copied the concept of, of like, oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I think they, they've done a good job with the interior, and I think they've done a good job with the car. I think this is a very, uh, not typical evolution, but I think it's I think it's, it's a logical next step for the car. Yeah, because I remember, I mean, the rumors started floating around three-plus years ago yeah. when people were wondering, the event door is really long in the teeth. What's going to happen next? Well, yeah, and wh- whatever, the, the last version of it that came out, like, you know, eight months ago... Yeah. Like, wow, okay, this thing is, they're still making this fucking thing. <laughs> they, it, but a, a lot of Lamborghini or flagship Lamborghinis, like, they have a life cycle of about 10 years. Yeah. And I think towards the end, they started to pull a bit of a Pagani where they just kept releasing one last version. Yeah, kind of. Because uh, yeah. Pagani did that a lot with the Zonda. Also, what are those little dials so there? So that's what I just pulled up. On the left side of the steering wheel, there's two little dials. Kind it's of, on the, both sides. Oh, yeah, they're on both sides. Holy shit. 
Um, I wish I had. I wonder if they pulled a GT3 RS. That's an E. That one says EV. Um, so that's gonna be like a. You could call it a Kurz, or maybe even just to put it in electric only mode. True. Because I think it has a, a few miles of EV only. Yeah. Whatever the 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 minimum for driving through uh, downtown London, I think, is like the standard. Yeah. It's like, it's like six miles. And then this looks like a performance mode. Yeah. And then that I can't really tell. Uh, go through. Go back. Yeah, they're out of focus, which is by design. Yep. Let's see. There's the start button. There's a close up on that uh, passenger side dash. Yeah, I mean they've gone very hexagonal with the with the design, which is apropos. Yeah, but I think these it looks like the two on the right, actually all four of them look like twist knobs. So it they seems are. to be just car functions. Um I think this one it, it might be the wing. That could be wing. I think that's wing. Um or, so, or arrow in general. Yep. And it looks like that's just performance mode and that might be It looks like a nose lift, maybe. I that might be the nose lift. Yeah, but they've got basically four little dials on the inside of the steering wheel that are that are pretty cool. I think it makes the steering wheel a little more unique than it looked at first. Yeah. Um But those uh, the buttons where it has, you know, like wipers and uh cruise control and headlights and stuff, that looks very Audi. Yeah, and I personally am still not the biggest fan of ditching stocks and putting everything on the wheel, even though yeah. that's become kind of a trend at this level. Oh yeah, well look at the uh, look up the Ferrari two nine six steering wheel. Yeah, because I know Ferrari was one of the first to really make that a thing. Yeah, four five eight was really the start of that. Yeah, where they kind of just ditched a lot of shit. So the thing about the steering wheel, we go to images, we can get it bigger. Oh, okay. There we go. Uh, so there is no start button on the 296. It, there is a haptic touch-sensitive area on the steering wheel just below the Ferrari crest. Yep. Which uh, is which is unfortunate because part of the whole theater of for owning a Ferrari is starting it, and you hit a button and it goes, you yeah, know? Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I kind of... I can see the, we'll say, engineering decision behind it because Ferrari especially, or any race car, wants to make nice big paddles. They are easy to hit wherever you're at. I get well, why. Look, not just paddles, but Formula One, they have all these switches and knobs that yeah. control DRS and uh, I don't, just all, like, all, like so many more functions. Basically, everything on a Formula One car is controlled on the steering wheel. There are no stocks. There yeah. are no shifter knobs. So I get like the, we'll say, idea behind it. Um, I just, on a road car, disagree with the concept. I do too. Because it makes it, the wheel extremely cluttered. It's not visually pleasing from, I haven't, although I haven't driven one, from everybody that I've read reviews on, it's not functionally pleasing. Yeah. It The only benefit it has. The 458 was the best execution of it, though. Can you pull that up? Yep. I think that's, a, uh, and even more ironic, because it was one of the first. <laughs> and it's just got more wild from there. Yeah. Or just look up steering wheel. Uh, oh, there you go. Let me just yeah. that one. Yeah. Um, because you still have a Manatino switch. You mm -hmm. still have an engine start button. Yep. You have a suspension button, and you have uh, buttons that do turn signals, one on the right to go right and the one on the left to go left. That's actually a super clean version of that, and you also have a wiper button and a high beam button below those. Yep, and I actually like these are the horn buttons right here. So yeah. basically, at, well, BMW's been doing that for a long time. Yeah, two and ten. Uh, you got the horn buttons built into the steering wheel, which I actually like that a lot. Yeah, um, it's kind of nice. It's where your fingers roughly should be, anyways. Uh, your thumbs, and uh, in most cases, but yeah, it's it's interesting that the Lamborghini chose to go that direction. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, no, I the one of the individuals that I talked to about the Lamborghini was like really not liking the rear end. 
Oh, I think that's the best part of it. Same, same here. <laughs> uh, my my only question is the front end, and that's not a bad thing. I don't hate it. It's just I want to see more detail of mm. it to to actually get a better opinion on it. Yeah. Um. No, I love the rear end. I think it looks badass. Like, I think this is we'll call it somewhat of the right move where a company like Lamborghini that has been historically like really loud, obnoxious, and that just doesn't really play in well with the EV crowd. Like they're just two totally different concepts and they're having to look at what's our brand identity and how do we move it forward? Yeah. And Lamborghini, well, Lamborghini isn't the first to go in this direction with hybridizing supercars. Mm -hmm. Um, My understanding is that they're taking a similar approach that the NSX did. Yep. As far as, um, EV motors up at the front to handle, well, to be in a front-wheel drive mode, but also to do uh, torque vectoring, which is where the Aventador, my understanding at least, um, at least before the S and the SVJ and the SV, uh, is where it lacked. Yeah. Um, I I think this is a a great decision and a great uh, direction going forward. Yeah, it's sad that the flagship V12 isn't a hundred percent gas powered, and Lamborghini isn't completely shoving a middle finger in the face of EPA regulations and all that stuff. Yeah. However, I think this is the best possible scenario and the best execution of this. And I, and I know that Lamborghini had took a hard look at themselves and go, okay, we're on thin ice here because if we have any misstep in this at all, we're yeah. fucked. Exactly. Uh, they they had to basically take a look in the mirror and say, this is what we are and mm-hmm. where we have come from. And we yeah. have, Lamborghini has been... How do we stay true to our identity mm-hmm. and, but still also not get left in the dust? They've been oddly traditionalist. Not necessarily oddly, sorry. They've been very traditionalist because that's just what their brand has been, is like big V12 mid-engine supercar. Yeah, That's just their formula and has been. And the only couple deviations with that were for some of the GT cars in the early days and then in the later days uh, post Audi era we now have like the Gallardo and some smaller versions of that same recipe yeah then obviously things like the Urus and whatever yeah um but as far as their flagships they have been stupid consistent oh yeah wild styling well and like the V12 that started in Kun I think it started the one that started in Kuntash there are traces of it that carried its way through Mercy Yes. And I think the Aventador is the first new V12 from them. It was the first ground up. Everything before that was iterational. Yeah. Because um, it, it did start carbureted, then went fuel injected. Like, there were changes to that motor. Oh, yeah. But I think... Even within... I mean, Countach went for a long time. And yep. the Countach motor basically basically carried over to Diablo. Yeah. And then they had a bit of a revamp with Mercy. And then we got to Aventador with a new engine. And now we're going to hybrid. Which is pretty... I I don't know. I think the Revuelto. Sorry, and I, I will never pronounce this, pronounce the name correctly. I right. Think, so I'm just going to get ahead of that now. I think the new car is a right step. I think that is a good thing. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And excited to see when it actually comes out. In fact, I don't even think that the, I can't wait to see five of them at Cars and Coffee. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone even, thinking that they're you know dunking on everyone else. So okay. So 2024. So it's launching for next model year. Yeah. Um. So. Maybe late this year we'll start. Like I'd imagine, sometime like August, September, maybe is when you'd start seeing reviews. Uh, I don't know when when the press cars are going out. I have no idea. So, who knows? Um, however, I did want to talk about this briefly because mainly this thing and it's a uh, high mounted exhaust reminded me of this. Um, Tavares's flood car. Oh yeah, <laughs> the P one. This the, the, the Hurricane Ian P one. The uh the McLaren Hurricane. <laughs> yeah. 
the, Mer- the McLaren Huracan. Oh boy, this is going to be quite the project. So for those of you that might remember um, when, which hurricane was it? I'm actually forgetting. It was Hurricane Ian. It was Yeah, when Hurricane Ian came through, there was the uh, videos that went viral of that P1 getting sucked out of the garage and yeah. you know flooding down the street and whatnot. Yep. And that was September of last year in 2022. Well... Naturally, the maddest lad of the automotive YouTubers, mm-hmm. being Tavarish, bought it. Um, it's pretty fucking ambitious. Very ambitious. I mean, he's done a very micro version of this before with his um, uh, 675 Uh He was, you know, with that, he was told, like, you ain't going to fix it because carbon work is very expensive and very difficult. And he found a guy to do it. And he got it done. Um, if I remember correctly, at the end of that, he said, yeah, I probably spent a bit more than this car was worth yeah. to do it. But at the same time, the car's still on the road. The car's still on the road and the knowledge that he got along the way. And that knowledge that he got along the way of that is probably going to bleed over into the P1. Very much so. I mean, there's there's hybrid work and there's yeah. batteries in the P1, which is going to be the real tricky component here. Yeah, there, there's a lot of theories floating around um, as far as what could or could not be wrong with the car because, in theory, that car was brand new. That car hadn't been around for every. In fact, I think if I remember correctly, it was, it was triple pi- digit miles, wasn't it? It was picked up like the week before. I oh, yeah. Um, so it was. Uh, but what I'm getting at with it being brand new is that, in theory, and this is all extraordinarily theoretical, all of those connectors should be, have been sealed. Like, as far as where there would be exposed metal. Um, and it was only flooded up to about the bottom of headlight level. It, it was... Well, it was floating. It was floating, yeah, because it's, you know, lightweight. It's got a little more air to it than most things. It didn't yeah. sink quite as much. Yeah. So, it'll be really interesting to see what goes on. Because, in theory, as long as most of those connectors stay connected, he'll probably have to replace... ECUs and other places where there could be water ingress, but as far as like electrical, he might be more safe than you would think. Maybe. We'll have to see what the motors do. Yes. Yeah, where do you get a replacement P1 electric motor? Right? <laughs> I don't know. I I mean, I from his dealings with McLaren on the 675LT, they might not even sell him one because it was like... Oh, they like, won't sell him one. Exactly. No. It was... They sold him like half the parts, but then the other half, they're like, eh, no. Yeah. So, we'll or see. they made them cost prohibitive. Yes. So... We'll see, because that could be really difficult. If the motors are good, then great. He already found out in that first episode that like the parking brake still worked. The electric. I haven't brake. seen the first episode yet. I only saw like the photos that he's posted. Yeah, um, but we'll see. Like, I'm really excited to see what he does with it, because I think it's. I admire a lot of what he does, because he takes the rolling cash that he gets, and instead of trying to be big and as big and pompous as some others, he just like, I'm gonna try this and sees what happens and yeah. tries to revitalize some of these really destroyed cars. Well, and it's interesting because he's also gone through uh, a bit of a life change in the past couple of years yep. with divorce mm-hmm. and kind of starting a new life. And he's, uh, I saw the video that he made in posting about that. Yeah. And uh, he's just going to go fucking hard with YouTube. I think he's just going to go, because that's kind of all he has left, I think, at this point. Yeah, and I, I saw that video as well, and I was like, I, I had, I admire him coming really clean about like, yeah, I've been, I've like not been the best over the past couple of years. And some of you have noticed that it's been pointed out and yeah. like it's been a lot of shit going on yeah. and I'm here to be honest and tell you why, but also tell you the next year will be wild. And I, and this is an indication of that. Um, and he's also passed up, not that he's passed up cause he didn't want to do it, but passed up financially the iconic 
uh, flooded uh, Bugatti Veyron, the one that went off in the lake back in whatever it was two thousand and six, yeah, or whenever the fuck, like one of the one of the first viral YouTube videos. Yeah, I I remember this because it's been talked about by quite a few people over yeah. the years, and it's just been, it's never actually been done. It's just been, it was pulled out and just been sitting and passed around. Mm-hmm. That and one, he, he is the one to do that, but and who knows, maybe. Depending on how the P one goes over, if he, if that's profitable enough for him with views, which was which is fucking difficult, yeah. um, or if he just wants another project, and if, if he's able to make that work, then like that would be how incredible would that be to have a, a super fucking wrecked six seven five LT, a flooded P one, and a flooded Veyron. That would be awesome. Yeah, that, that's the trifecta. That's a, that's a trifecta. That's not the. Well, it's not yeah. the Holy Trinity. No, but. no. But it is really cool to have seen that because I'm all for it's. It's one of the reasons why I'm all for things like right to repair movements. Because oh yeah, it's like things like Tavares doing this to keep that car on the road. Even though yes, that car specifically is low production. Things like that need to happen with even higher production cars because keeping a car on the road is better in every way for the environment yep. than making a new one. Yep. And just junking something like this because it's either it's financially totaled, quote unquote, but it doesn't need to be. That's the problem that yeah. exists is that it's only financially totaled because a lot of the larger automotive companies, especially, um, have been pretty egregious with parts prices. Yeah. To where that module that costs them a hundred dollars that like in their profit margins when they sell you the car is probably a hundred and twenty five dollars of there because they make a little profit on it they then charge you four hundred dollars to replace or four thousand dollars or four thousand and that's how a lot of these things go especially with things like these i remember with mclaren actually specifically the um mp412c uh lcd screens for the heaters and climate control that are in Mm, each of the doors yeah like 10 grand jesus there is no reason that that needs to be ten grand, even if it's a McLaren part. I understand you want to charge a higher premium because you have to maintain some form of, br- call it brand identity, whatever you want to call it. It has to be a premium product because the product is premium. However, <laughs> like that's a lot of money. Like that is roughly five percent of the purchase price of that car when it was new. Right. Clearly, it doesn't cost that much. Well, but you also have to factor into R and D that. You know the money that they spent in, in research and developing that part mm-hmm. or that component, and then you have to amortize it o- over not that many cars. Yes, that is a factor, and I don't think people think about that very much. They don't. And being a car like mechanic person myself, I understand that factor to where yes, it needs to cost more than one would think, uh, but not necessarily a five-digit number. Right. There's a middle ground there somewhere that usually gets lost in the sake of profit. Yeah. Um, because well, I mean, okay, so during COVID, uh, the price of uh shipping containers went up like fucking crazy. Yeah. Like containers at one point were what like a thousand or fifteen hundred, and then during the height of of COVID, they shot up to twenty grand. Yep. Um, I was in a conversation actually yesterday at the show. Yeah. With uh my boss Wayne who does a lot he's he does he just lives and breathes logistics. Yeah. And my mom who uh works for Loa Boots. Mm-hmm. So you have a tent company, a tent you know takes up a lot more space than just a pair of boots, right? Yep. So uh 230 had to amortize the cost of a shipping container over s- about 60 tents whereas Loa had to 
amortize that cost over like a few thousand boots per yeah. container. So the you know twenty three zero had to eat more of the cost with that with their product than a company like Loa did. Because they're not able to spread it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously those affect everything, but uh, the core principle is that like the replacement part price should be at a point that is relatively fair on the consumer side to where it's reasonable. Yeah. But for the longest time, it hasn't been reasonable. It's it's come back. I it, mean, the, yes. the shipping containers in particular have actually swung back drastically in the opposite direction, which is which is good. Yeah. We'll just have to see how long it takes for like some of those things to get passed down. I mean, I know that. Uh, Actually, remembering back to the six seven five LT video when he was rebuilding that, like some of the parts prices, I was like, "Yeah, that that's out." Like they wanted like a hundred grand for a motor when it's like, okay. Uh, and then when I say a motor, I mean it was like it wasn't even a full motor, it wasn't even a long block. It was like some oh. pretty basic componentry. Oh yeah, it was like because if it's a hundred k for like a long block, like okay, okay yeah, with it's a that McLaren. car, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, uh, but I think it was a hundred k for like the turbos and heads. What the fuck? It, it was ridiculous. Huh. It was ludicrous because one of the turbos on his car was bad because it ate some yeah. metal. Yeah. Um. And so he ended up just being like, screw that. I'm just going to find somebody that can properly rebuild him. Yeah. Why on earth would I ever drop more than the 10,000 needed to repair these? Yeah. Add, why would I add a zero unnecessarily? Yeah. Yeah. So it's shit like that yeah. that hopefully we get going. And actually on that note, sorry, I had one more thing I wanted to talk about because I remembered this. You'll hate this. Oh, boy. Did you hear about GM? Saying it was gonna. Ditch. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. Okay. Their whole. Ex- yeah, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Their whole excuse. I love this. As we scale our EVs and launch our Unify software platform, we can do more than ever with in-vehicle technologies. They're referring, by the way, to dropping Android Auto and Apple CarPlay in their EVs. Yeah. And over-the-air updates. All this is allowing us to constantly improve the customer experience. No, we can it's offer not. No, 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 no. It isn't. No, not at all. No. <laughs> there is already an implementation for this. Whether you have an Apple product or an Android product, it doesn't matter. It's already there. Don't reinvent the wheel. Because all that you're trying to do, and it's very clear, is you want the data that either Apple or Google gets. Yep. You want the data on your customers. Yep. You want them to use your damn app. You want... Yep. It's... Uh, yep. And, and or you just don't want to pay the licensing fees. It's probably both, honestly. It probably is. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, we can save the million dollars we have to pay to Apple every year for licensing fees, mm-hmm. and we get to collect data. Win-win. Like, automotive infotainment Gosh. systems, you know, there, there, there's been a very long time but you know, uh, before the smartphone integration where <laughs> you have a UI for something, and you think it's cutting edge the year it comes out. Six months later, it's like, okay, it's fine. And then five years later, it's, this is fucking trash. Yeah. Look at any Lexus from the early 2000s. <laughs> it's not good. No. So, and th- that doesn't just go to Lexus either. That's fucking across the board, everybody. Yes. Um, even with Porsches, too. Like, looking at um, 997 infotainment systems, people can easily rip those out. You can, not as easily, but, you know, you can pay the $1,700 to get the Porsche one that yep. gets Apple CarPlay. But there's actually an article that came out about that. Uh, it's... To, when you're out the door and you actually finally get it done, it's closer to three grand. Yeah, so it's expensive. It is expensive just to get infotainment, but with the invent, <laughs> with the advent yeah. of Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, cars have been much more livable and modernized, and it uh, it gives an incentive to the customer to keep the car for longer because, and I noticed this with my car because I got a free, I lucked out. 
um, there was a free download from Ford's website to upgrade my Fiesta ST yep. to get Android Auto, even though it was built in 2016. Okay? Yep. And I've used it every fucking day since. I've had Android Auto for well, a couple of years now, and it's been awesome. There was even a free update that came a couple months ago, and it made it actually kind of more Apple CarPlay-ish with split screens yep. within, the, within the one monitor. So that's been great. Now with them going back... So what the fuck? It honestly, the funny thing is, one of the only true complaints I have about my Tacoma is that it does not have either Android Apple, Android Apple, Android Apple. Oh my god, Android. I think both Auto, of us need some more coffee. I know Android <laughs> Auto or Apple CarPlay. Neither of them. The only integration it has is practically at this at that Your point. Bluetooth. Well, so it has Bluetooth, yes, and it has a CD player radio, all the normal shit, but the only phone integration it has is probably about a decade out of date at this point, which is Toyota-Lexus's own app yeah. that integrates to their own shit that I think all you can do is music. Like, it's super convoluted and Su- stupid. Subaru has the same thing. I've seen it with the Crosstrek and the Outback. Yeah, yeah it, it's and that seems to be what they're going for, which is like, I don't need another app to do the same shit for apps that are built into my device. And also that looks bad and is going to look even worse in five years. Yeah, because this is one of the big problems with car companies becoming software companies, and Tesla, more than anybody, has faced this mm-hmm. because that's basically what the cars are, is a rolling piece of software. Yeah. Is um, they've faced trials, and that's... <sighs> I would say it's weird with Tesla because they've done both a good job and a bad job at the same time. Mm-hmm. All of their cars have continued getting updates, even the original cars. They have continued to get software updates. They haven't dropped support for things yet. Yeah. But they've done just as shitty of a but job. they will. They will. Uh, they've done just as shitty of a job with, like, quote-unquote updating uh, some of the features where sometimes they get broken or they have problems or... Yeah. All these other things, or the legendarily stupid uh, self-driving at this point, with mm-hmm. how long that's been touted, how that would be just a free upgrade for all the other cars. <laughs> Newsflash, it's not. Um, but they start to lose interest after a certain time because they, they're only really legally held to do software updates for two years. That's why Android, after two years, starts to lose feature updates. Mm because they're only really held to that standard. That's one of the ways that Apple has done pretty well out of the many things that Apple has not done well is they do support their devices for quite a lot longer than like Google and Android. They do, but when everyone knows when the new phone is about to come out because their phone automatically somehow gets slower yeah. or just generally worse. Yes, so there are other consequences to that. And the problem with most autom- automotive manufacturers is up until the past like three years, they haven't given two flying fucks about anything to do with software. It's mm-hmm. your car launches with it. And that's that's it Bob's because it's uncle. because it's been so simplistic up till this point. Mm-hmm. Now there we went from probably ten million lines of code to probably closer to five hundred million. Mm-hmm. So there's a shit ton more going on. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I I've seen um actually one of my tech YouTuber guys Jay's two cents he has a RAM a twenty twenty two RAM. Yeah. He's had the infotainment screen, blue screen, like a computer, like six times. Well, because it's a FCA product. It is. But my point being, that stuff is going to start happening a lot more with cars. Mm-hmm. All the things we're used to having with like computer problems. And it's yeah. going to get messy. And this shit makes it even worse. Because now they have created their own proprietary environment that yeah. they have to maintain. Versus allowing Apple or Google to update it. Anyways, there's just so many levels where this is stupid. Yeah, And it just is mind-blowing that... Uh, they would make this a decision because there's no benefits to anybody except GM. Nope. 
<sighs> Selfish, greedy fucks. Sorry. Anyways, rant over. But yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> Your software is bad, and you should feel bad. You should. You should definitely feel bad. Yeah. <sighs> but I want to see. Like, in I'm back the, to the Lamborghini. Back to Lamborghini. Uh, back to nice things. With, with with all of these new crazy things happening, it, it is uh, this gave me a little more hope that like we'll continue to find good solutions in the interim between the changing in the automotive landscape. Well, yeah, it would be interesting to see what that will affect uh, in sub hundred thousand dollar cars, which is a shrinking segment, as we all know. <laughs> yes. Um, but it will be interesting to see if there is an automotive manufacturer like a Toyota or a Subaru or a BMW that'll be like, "Hey, here's our straight six. Yep. But, like, here's an electric motor in the middle. I mean, BMW isn't going to do this because they've been losing their fucking minds over the last two, three years. But, yeah. okay, so imagine someone like a Honda going, like, okay, here's our four-cylinder turbo. But, like, here's an electric motor between the engine and the, and the gearbox yeah. that can supplement another 50% more power. Mm-hmm. Or making an all-wheel drive version of, like, the Civic Type R where you have engine up front with uh, an electric transaxle. Yep. And then you have two EV motors in the back with like a six kilowatt hour or whatever battery pack. Yeah, and kind, of, kind of just the reverse of the NSX. An inverted NSX or SF90 or the new Lamborghini Revuelto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Revuelto. Yes, that. You almost have to have a stroke to say that word. I, I feel like I am having a stroke every time I say that. I know. Um, an inverted version of that and have like, you know, this awesome all wheel drive compact hatchback. Yeah, because it at the same time makes packaging easier from like the drive standpoint and a little mm-hmm. worse because they have to find a place to put a battery. But if you're only doing a five kilowatt hour battery, if you have something t- small, yeah, it's not that bad. Or like and plug in hybrids too. Mm-hmm. Like we might see more of a revolution with plug in hybrids than just full on EVs. Yeah, because my mom has a uh, a standard hybrid uh, 2018 Kia Optima, and they actually did a really good job with their implementation of stuff. Where they just Did she have a Nero at one point. She was looking at getting a Nero okay, at one point. Gotcha. She ended up with that Optima because she got a absolutely slaying deal on it because it was she bought it in nineteen, but yeah. it, it was the last eighteen on the lot because it was like a very base hybrid, so it doesn't have leather or any of the other stuff they're mm-hmm. usually loaded with. Mm-hmm. So she got it for like forty percent off, brand new. That's a lot. An insane. Deal. That's a lot. She basically walked into that and could have resold it. Um, kind of tangenting off of what we were just talking about too. So you know how Subaru killed off the STI nameplate? Uh-huh. And there's talks about them having a Subaru Solterra STE? Yep. So that might be a thing, too, going forward of, you know, electric performance cars that aren't just Teslas. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, <sighs> if you have an opinion on that, let us know. <laughs> Mailbag.eos at gmail.com. Um, yeah, but basically finishing out the Optima, what I was getting at with that is they found out that when they were designing that, they didn't. The platform of that didn't change at all. Usually, when they make a hybrid car, they have to change some stuff, like in the floor. With that Optima, they found out that they could just, in the spare tire well, fit a battery that was plenty sizable enough to convert the regular Optima into a hybrid. And yes, you have to ditch the spare tire, but they didn't have to re-engineer anything, so it still has a 16, 17-gallon fuel tank. Yeah. So she can do 650 miles on a That's awesome. tank, which is amazing. Yeah. So, but... Like, creative engineering things like that are what's going to take something like the Civic Type R and say, okay, we have this little bit of space right here. We only need that much for a five-kilowatt-hour battery pack. Sure. We put the wheels back here. We don't need to put an axle back here. Well, and that's just, you know, a thought. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. also talks and speculations about um, 
I mean, they were kind of dismissed by Mazda, but an electric Miata. Yeah. Like, is there a way to have a Mazda Miata be electrified or a full-on EV and be under 3,000 pounds? That's a fucking ask. That's a lot, yeah. So we'll see what, what comes with that. That's an engineering task. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else? I don't think so. Cool. Well, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Exhibition of Speed podcast. Uh, we will come at you next week with something probably different or maybe the same. Yeah. We'll have to see about that. Yeah. That's about right. I, I, I've, <laughs> I, I've run out of words. See you later. Bye. <laughs>